0: Um, If you're joining us for the first time today, let me just mention, um, we've been going through the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, Pastor Joy, he'll be back up here next week to wrap up this sermon series, and then we're going to go into Advent. Advent is going to be introducing a sermon series on joy, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, And to remind uh, folks that have been journeying with us through this sermon series, just as a uh, little nudge... The book of 2 Corinthians really can be broken up into three parts, right? The very first part of it, chapters 1 to 7, it describes Paul's desire to reconcile with the Corinthian church because they had had some drama. Um, And then the second part or second section, chapters 8 and 9, is where Paul wants the Corinthians to understand that that being generous, it's not a, a requirement of faith, but it's evidence. It is evidence of their faith. Now we get to get deep into the third part of this letter where Paul is calling out, calling out the people that are misleading the Corinthian Christians. Now I'll remind you, last week when I preached, I got a chance to focus on just two words, fool and boast, right? And I asked us as a church to consider how to avoid being a fool as defined by Paul. A person, a fool is a person who lives like there is no God or uh, another way to say it is a practical atheist. And I also ask us to consider how boasting in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. What's bad, what could be a bad thing, is what we boast about. That's what makes us look, become fools. Because we want to be gospel-transformed boasters who boast about things that mean something. Gospel-transformed boasters who boast about the things that mean everything. And the things that mean everything are the things that God has done. And now, we get into today's passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and before we dive into it, I want to just say this. I, I had a lot of fun uh, preparing for today's assigned passage. And it, I was assigned, and I didn't mind it. It was good. It was fun for me. I, and just as a, another aside, I just have to mention this. I am really loving serving as pastor here at Sunset. I I love being able to dedicate my time and my energy to caring for my sisters and my brothers here in San Francisco. And I I love being able to dedicate time and energy to just studying the word of God so that hopefully I can teach well this amazing truth of Christ and his redemption story from the pulpit. And I also really love not having to travel anymore. Uh, That's what I used to do as a consultant. Uh, I hated it because I was always being taken away from my wife. And now I get to stay home all the time and she has to see my face every day. Um, anyway, I, I was, as I was thinking about how, how to focus and teach this passage, I decided to take a minute to remind myself of who we are as a church, or, or at least who we try to be, who we try to be as a family uh, bonded together by our faith in Jesus Christ. And as Jason mentioned, I'm gonna say it again, if you haven't done so recently, take a look at our website. Kudos to, to Richard and anyone else he's dragged in with him to help keep our website fabulous and fresh. It's pretty impressive. And one of the things on our website is, if you look at the table, the menu, is a section called What We Believe. Now, I went there, and if you go all the way towards the bottom, in there, there's uh, two sections called Our Values and Our DNA. And I'll tell you, I remember actually talking to our uh, former pastor, the late Pastor Bruce, about those specific topics, you know, our values, our DNA. It's not that he listened to me as to what they should be, but I just, I just remember the conversation. These have been around for uh, 15 plus years. And if and I'm not mistaken, I think that's still what we want to be. We still want to be a gospel-centered church. We still want to be a church dependent on the Holy Spirit through prayer, which is uh, one of the reasons I believe we went through the Lord's Prayer as a sermon series recently. Sunset wants every single person, every soul in our church community, to impact every single church soul in every life, to live as family. We might be a slightly dysfunctional family sometimes, but we're family, and we're a family that wholly loves each other as sisters and brothers. Not merely, um, as most of those of you who have an Asian background would say, aunties and uncles, which annoy me. I'm not an an auntie or an uncle. Um, So, There's one person who used to call me that on a regular basis just because it would annoy me. Please don't do it. Uh, Anyway, is also the reason I'm asking everyone to take a moment after service just to connect and catch up because we are a family. We want to be mission as a church. And and the last one that I really focused on was we want to strive as a church to to have good, solid, biblical, expository teaching everywhere, in our small groups, Sunday school, and from the pulpit. So because of that last one, as I was reading the website, I decided that what I want to do today is I want to unpack today's passage verse by verse. Basically, what I'm going to do is I want to spend time today walking you through the process I went through as I was studying today's passage. We're not going to have three main points per se, but I do have a big question that I want to pose to everyone at the end of today's message. And so we'll get there in a second. But let's do that. Let's do that right now. We're going to look at it, and we're going to start with verse 1. And in verse 1, it says, I must go on boasting. Though there's nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So here we have Paul. He's continuing on from where we left off last week. Because last week, as a reminder, we saw how Paul was totally exasperated at his realization that he had to continue to act the fool and to boast about the things that all these like super apostles were boasting about. And he had to boast about it to show how that even by their ridiculous, ungodly standards, even by those standards, Paul still had so much more authority. Paul still has so much more right to be listened to and to be heard and to be followed. And in last week's passage, we also saw how Paul, he was doing this foolish boasting, but he just couldn't keep it up. In the middle of his boasting, suddenly he, to the Corinthians, he essentially yells out, this is crazy. And, you know, it's not like he was typing on a phone or on a computer or something, so he couldn't backspace, he couldn't delete anything. He couldn't delete what he'd written, So, and he was writing on a, on a, on a scroll right? And so he's not going to cross it out. He's not going to throw it away. He's not going to, there's no erasing off a scroll. There's no wiping out on a scroll. So he just had to keep going on. Paul just kept on writing this letter. And as he's doing it, he decides to switch from boasting like a fool to boasting like a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ, All right? He boasts about his own weakness, to show how amazing God is. That's what happened last week. Now, in today's passage, Paul said he's going back to boasting like a fool. He says, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. And he's, he says, in other words, he's saying, okay, I've gotten that off my chest, right? Now, let me go back to acting the fool, acting and boasting like a foolish super apostle, just like them who are trying to lead you away from God. Let me boast like them just for another moment. And as you read this, it would seem, based on what he's writing, that the boasters of the day, at that time, what they're boasting about was personal visions and revelations of God. So Paul, he decides, well, he'll tell his own personal story of visions and revelations of God. So Paul tells his story of being taken up to heaven and coming back again. Did, did you all know that Paul was taken to heaven and brought back? You know, I, I, I mean, for me, it was news. Uh, honest. I know the story of Paul and his conversion. He meets Jesus. the scales are on his eyes and everything. I know that story. But going to heaven and coming back again? I've read the Bible a few times. I missed that. And it's the most, And if you read it, it's the most ridiculous telling of a story that could be or should be very, quite amazing. If you think about it, reading to you from verses 2 to 4, this is his version of the story. He says this, I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that can't be told which man may not utter. by the way just to clarify paul's reference to third heaven and paradise basically he's referring to the heavenly realm where god dwells i i might have to go into the details of this but in jewish antiquity uh, oftentimes there are references to multiple levels of the heavenly realms and so the third level The third heaven is referring to where God dwells. Uh, The word for paradise also, it was a very common Persian term uh, at the time, also refers to the realm where God dwells, right? So we've got Paul now telling the story, and and I, I will reiterate, this is a story about Paul himself. It's not very obvious when you read it, but he is the man in Christ that is being written about. So we've got Paul telling the story about something he experienced, right? And it's a story about himself. He feels like he's got to tell this story because he's got to act the fool. He's got to follow those standards. But he so does not want to tell it, right? He doesn't want... So what he ends up doing is telling the story like it's not his own. He tells it in third person, which is a little weird, but it's fine. But then you've got the actual story itself. You read the story. I mean, if you read the... This is the story of a person who has had the honor, who has had the privilege of being carried into the presence of God, to the place where God dwells, to heaven, right? And has come back to earth again. But the way Paul tells it, he doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, yeah, I went to heaven. Not sure if it was an auto body experience or if it was my real body. And I can't really even tell you what I heard. I said, if, he, if what had happened to Paul, if what had happened to Paul happened to somebody today, more than likely it would result in a multi city book tour, maybe a movie deal. And I can say that with confidence and absolute assurance because it actually has happened many times. Back in the day, uh, I actually remember there were a number of churches that would host these different speakers who had proclaimed that they had died and gone to heaven and come back again and wanted to share their story. I actually remember one as well of this dude who died, went to hell, but came back again and became a Christian, and he was going to all the churches. And I know this because, if I'm not mistaken, Sunset Church was one of the churches that this person went to like 20 years ago. Those of you who are old-timers can verify that or not. I think it was on the—anyway, I'm not saying it didn't happen. Maybe it did. I don't know. But i'll say this if it had been paul sharing his story doing the speaking tour if paul had been the one telling the story it would have been a very short presentation and very boring because he just didn't want to tell the story he just didn't think it was beneficial to tell this story this is i mean this is the only place That I found where Paul even mentions the story. Paul never talks about it in any of his other letters. Listen, if we consider the totality of Scripture, you look through the Bible, you can see who Paul is, his character, and his desire. And his desire, one of his desires, his first and foremost desire was to encourage his sisters and his brothers, encourage them with words that would, would draw them nearer to God. So for Paul, for Paul, the story should never be about him. Paul, for Paul, the story should always be about our Savior, about Jesus Christ. And this story, this story about him being taken up to heaven, it was about him. It impacted only him. I have no doubt at all that this experience, it probably was an incredible encouragement to him. And it probably drew him nearer to God. But because it was so personal to him alone, Because it wasn't something that he could effectively communicate, even because it it wasn't something he could easily prove, it wouldn't benefit his listeners. He couldn't even tell them what he saw. He couldn't even tell them what he heard. So in his mind, he's thinking, what's the use of me telling this story? Yeah, I'm acting a fool telling about my personal revelation, but what's the use? Honestly, for him, I think telling the story was worrying him that, that it might make it seem like he had a special relationship with God, that he that, that it it had a special relationship and that that would separate him and make him unique from everyone else. And that's something the super apostles, the foolers, the fake gospel peddlers, that's something they were trying to do to make them special. And that was something Paul absolutely did not want to do Paul says it in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 he says that there's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free there is no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus he is one with everyone else we are together and we are not different from each other in the eyes of god he didn't want to separate himself from his fellow sisters and his brothers you know Suzanne and I uh, we were having a chat recently with a friend of ours who was visiting us from Chicago, uh, and that friend grew up in a much more Pentecostal church tradition so so for our friend, the speaking in tongues, it was a very common a very expected uh, tradition um, something he grew up with in his church. Um, now I bring this story up this message is not about speaking in tongues it's not what not, not about defining what that is or whether that's a you know, whether that's to be done in church, that's not the point of today's message. Um, but I want to bring this up because there's a, there's a passage in Jude 20 where Jude writes this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit See, Jude is actually starting us down this path where he's explaining we should absolutely strive to build up our own faith, right? We should absolutely focus on spiritual disciplines that will draw us nearer to God. We should focus on prayer. We should focus on devotion. We should focus on gathering together. We should absolutely be doing these things. And sometimes these things can include things like speaking in tongues, having visions, having revelations. These are good things that might encourage you in your personal faith in your walk with God. Paul even writes about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, he says this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. And he continues on. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. See, Paul's issue, it wasn't with the experience of going to heaven. That was not his issue. It was different. It was whether telling that story whether the experience would build up the church or just build himself up. Whether it would be an encouragement or would it be a discouragement to the body of believers. In other words, Paul wanted us and them to consider their sisters and their brothers in Christ as more significant. Consider whether that story would draw them nearer to God, or would they draw them nearer to someone other than God? To himself. He didn't want that. In this passage, Paul is continuing to act the fool, right? He's acting the fool by boasting about the same thing that the foolers were boasting about, about the miraculous visions and revelations of God. And Paul really didn't want to bring up his story. He didn't want to bring it up, but but the thing is, even with this type of boasting, even with, when forced to boast about visions and revelations, Paul still had more to boast about, right? Because it turns out, Paul was brought into paradise to witness and to experience God's heavenly realm. But because he can't tell them all the details or what he heard, he starts to wonder, why bother? Why am I doing this? So then, Paul goes right back to what he did before, like he did last week. He goes and does what, uh, instead of boasting like a fool, he boasts like a follower, a follower of Christ, and explains how much more important it is to do it that way. See, in verses five and six, it says this. On behalf of this man, I'll boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses though if i should wish to boast i would not be a fool for i'll be speaking the tree but i refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from um i remember when i first got out of college i was visiting my folks in new york and there was a former uh student of my father's uh he was She was serving as a missionary in Uzbekistan at the time. And she was visiting us. And I'm going to call her Liz for her own safety. Uh, She's still serving. I'm not sure exactly how the topic came up. But my dad, he grabbed a calendar off the wall. I don't know if you all are familiar with this. Uh, Korean grocery stores, back in the day, they used to have these very long calendars that have a picture on there and then the month. And you could rip off the page every month. And on the back, it was all blank. And so basically, you had this huge sheet of paper that you could draw on and stuff like that Uh, and so what my dad is he took one of those pages off that calendar put it on uh, on the table and he started drawing our family tree right and just as an fyi he wasn't drawing the family tree to show me he was drawing the family tree to show uh, his former student i was in my 20s and this was literally the first time my father had ever talked about anybody in our family. I'm not bitter at all about that. He had to talk to a stranger about it. Anyway, he starts drawing the lines between all our uncles and our aunts, our grandparents, our great grandparents. And as he's doing this, he's circling different names on the family tree. And he's circling the names of every person on our tree who had become a pastor or a missionary. And if I've mentioned this before about, in case you weren't aware, my dad is a retired pastor. And so as he's drawing the tree, He's only focused on the people that are important from his perspective. So just pastors and missionaries. No one else matters on that family tree. And suddenly Liz grabs him by the hand and stops it as he's writing out the names uh, on this long sheet of paper and says, is that really him? Um, she's pointing at the name of one of the, one of the names on the uh, family tree. And, and my Korean is horrible. I, I, I read like a baby, right? It's very bad. And, and my knowledge of Korean history is even worse. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm looking at the name that she's pointing at, and I'm doing my best to sound it out. It's Yi uh, Seung Min. And uh, for some of you who may know, there's an actual English pronunciation of the name, which is Ri Seung Min. Seung Min? Seung Min Ri? Seung Min Ri. Um, and I look at Liz, and I'm asking her, who, who is this? Who is this person? And she stares at me and she says, your dad. Your dad is saying that the very first president of South Korea is your great-great-grandfather. And so my dad's like, yeah, yeah, but that this one, this one became a pastor when he turned 70 years old. He's so much better. See, when I was reading verses 5 and 6, that was the impression I was getting from Paul. I I read 5 and 6 as saying, yeah, yeah, I went to heaven. I came back again but let me tell you about something so much more important. So in my weakness, God uses me. In my weakness, God shows me what's amazing. Because that's what was more important to Paul. Going to heaven and back again, that was nothing. See, Paul wants folks to understand that, that based on the foolish standards of foolers, he still has a more amazing testimony. Their visions, their revelations, they're nothing compared to his own experience of going to heaven. And coming back again. But this is him. Listen. He's saying that story doesn't matter. Because that's just foolish boasting. See, gospel transformed boasting is boasting in my weakness. To show how amazing God is. That's what he wants people to understand. And then we get to verse 7. In verse 7, let me read that again. It says this. So. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now conceit is defined as excessive pride in oneself, right? And, and Paul understood that that type of pride in self it was that avoiding it was really important. So much so he says it twice in that one sentence. And he also understood that the amazing experience that he had, this revelation, it could cause just that. It could cause that excessive pride in himself. And so that he might never become too prideful, God gives Paul a thorn in his side. So that... Paul might avoid becoming conceited, God places a messenger of Satan in Paul's life. I have to pause. Because here, the Bible teaches us that God is good. And the Bible teaches us that God cannot sin. And the Bible teaches us God will not lead us into temptation. And the Bible teaches us that God is holy. Absolutely. So, so Honestly, I had to pause when I was studying this verse because I had to consider how am I going to understand, how am I going to reconcile what we know of this holy, perfect God with the truth that God is the one that placed this thorn, this messenger of Satan, in Paul's life. This is what I came to understand as I was studying this passage. God can and God does use anything. God uses everything to thwart the work of the devil, including the devil himself. Because he did that with Job, right? Job suffered trial after trial, and after that, God uses all of those experiences to bring Job closer to God, to knowing who God is. Job proclaims it in 42 verse 2 of Job. He says of God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Because God uses anything to thwart the work of the devil, including the devil himself. God did it with Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, verse 3, it says this, Then Satan entered into Judas, and then Judas betrays Jesus. We have in Colossians 2, verse 15, and throughout Scripture, we have a description of what Jesus did with that demonic action, with that attempt. It says he disarmed the rulers and the authorities. Jesus disarmed Satan and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Because God uses anything to thwart the work of the devil, including the devil himself. So to to avoid becoming a prideful, a conceited, a foolish boaster of personal accomplishments, God gives Paul a thorn, something that hurt. I don't know if it was emotional, physical, psychological. I have no idea, but 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 it was a thorn. It was a thorn that Paul did not like. I mean, he prayed over and over and over again that this thorn be removed. Because it wasn't pleasant but it was something that allowed him to boast like a gospel-transformed follower of Archie. So I want to start, wrap it up, by looking at the last two verses of today's passage. In verses 9 and 10, it says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. But when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'll be honest, um, moving back to San Francisco, so that we might be better able to care for Suzette's dad. And just as an FYI, uh, her father is still in Singapore. Uh, We're working out his visa situation now. Thank you very much for all of those who have been praying for this situation. But Suzette and I, I will tell you, we absolutely have no regrets about coming back. We so love the family and the friends that we have here that we can return to here in the Bay. And it brings me joy because I've been seeing more and more of y'all returning every week, folks we haven't seen in a long time. But when I first flew out here at the end of August, uh, I don't know if some of you know this, I I couldn't walk because my leg was in a cast after being hit by a car in Chicago. Uh, I had no furniture. I had no car. I had no food. Actually, no, I had food. I had two bags of ramen that I carried with me from Chicago and some leftover Chipotle that Mike and Cynthia Chin bought for me when they picked me up from the airport. So I was good to go for at least a couple of days. And in my weakness, it was weakness, I had to start relying on the graciousness of others. There was a couple that Suzanne and I had um, done premarital counseling for that I had uh, done their wedding. They drove up from L.A. That first weekend I was alone so they could help me get around helped me buy some food. Uh, They brought their own bed and their own towels and stuff because I had nothing in the house. The church had let me borrow some chairs so I'd have a place to sit. Um, Random people in our community here, they reached out, offered to help me unpack. I had no furniture or anything yet, so that was useless, but they offered to get me groceries and whatever. See, in my weakness, I saw the body of Christ. I saw this community of believers, my family here. I saw the love of God. I saw the power of Christ in my sisters and in my brothers who came to care for me in my weakness. At the same time, Suzette was also dealing with a lot. She was trying to take care of her father in Singapore. That first month, month and a half, we were actually separated because of everything that was happening during that transition. But with all the support and love and prayers that she was receiving, we absolutely could honestly proclaim that in our weakness, God's power and God's grace proved beyond sufficient. I was literally physically incapacitated. I mean, both Suzette and I, we were dealing with the emotional pain of the loss of our community in Chicago, the loss of her mom, her father's, in all of our lack, we could and we absolutely could say God's grace is sufficient for us, for God's power is made perfect. Is our weakness? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. I am content with weakness. I am content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecutions. I am content with calamities. But when I'm weak, he is strong. So here's the question I want to leave you all with today. There's a few questions, though. They're all kind of one under one umbrella, which is what is the thorn in your side right now? What is the challenge? Uh, the trial that you're facing? Is it a marital thing? Is it it the loss of a loved one? Is it trying to figure out how to deal with that one person at work or at school? Maybe there's a physical or mental health issue that you're trying to... Maybe it's trying to find community here at Sunset Church, trying to find connections so that you don't keep feeling like you're all alone in the midst of hundreds of people. What is the thorn in your side right now? For the messenger of sate in your life. And is it possible that God has given you this thorn, this trial, to show how much you need him? Look, Paul eventually did stop asking God to take his thorn away, not because it didn't bother him anymore. It wasn't painful anymore. It was. Paul stopped because he understood that the thorn's painful purpose was was so that all of Satan's efforts through that pain, all the pain that Satan was causing to draw us away from God, it was so that it could be thwarted by God. So that the messenger of Satan that's in your life might be used to draw you closer to God instead of further from Him. So consider that bullet. You don't have to be happy about it. I encourage you, don't be happy about it. Maybe understand, that it is there so that you can become content with weakness. You can become content with insults, content with hardships, content with persecutions, content with calamities, so that you might be able to boast as followers, fully dependent on God, not as fools. Let's pray together as we close. Precious Father in Heaven. Sometimes I don't understand what it is, why it is. Things happen as they do. Sometimes I don't understand why it is that there is a thorn in my side. I'm sure many of us here are in the same boat. But in our weakness, we are made strong by you, God. Heavenly Father, I pray and I beg from this point, allow us each here in this place to understand you are a good God and you want to give us peace and contentment through the pain and through the hurt. And may we lean on you humbly and holy for all time until we can celebrate with you in having one day. May your son Christ have prayed.